time is where it's at. And at the same moment, I discovered bigger pockets and real estate, and we were looking to buy our own home. So instead of thinking about buying a home as you did, someone helped us guide the way to buying something that would turn into a rental. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Annie Dickerson here. And on behalf of the entire Good Egg Investments team, I wanted to welcome you to another episode of the Life and Money Show, where we talk about everything from investing to financial freedom, to parenting, traveling, creating a life by design and everything in between. And boy, are you in for a treat today because I'm here with my amazing co-host, Susan Elliott, and we are going to be talking about how we talk with our husbands about finances and investing. But Susan, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's one of those days where I've accomplished so much before 10 a.m. with going to the gym and taking my parents to the airport and spending some quality time with the kiddos. It feels good. But I love what we get to talk about today because so much of money and life is who we get to spend it with and who we're on the journey with and the person, our spouse or our long-term partners. This is just such the meat of where we can really go far if we focus on this relationship and building it in a really sustainable and blissful way. So I can't wait to dive in. Yeah. Well, before we dive into the core of the conversation, just give us a little bit background. How did you and your husband meet? Oh, gosh. Oh, man, this is a great story. (laughs) We met in China. We were about to embark upon an eight-day rafting trip on the Yangtze River. So I was teaching high school for a traveling kayaking high school. I was the science, history, and English teacher. All wow. in one. That's a lot. We had 13 students. So there was five teachers and 13 students and mm-hmm. you wear multiple hats. I was also the assistant coach, which meant I kind of led morning workouts and did that. But the school Is traveled like around the world. School? Yep. It was a high school, a mm-hmm. private high school. In the wintertime, the two quarters in wintertime, we went abroad. So the year that I worked for them, we went to Peru for eight weeks and we went to China for eight weeks. But the China term was my first semester working for them. So I showed up. I met these kids, we had a little bit of an orientation, and then we flew to China. And so first time teaching high school, I mean, I was overwhelmed, to say the least. It was a pretty intense. I traveled, but always to Spanish-speaking countries, which I have a basic fluency and English-speaking. And we show up at the airport, I get out of the airport, and my now husband greeted us. So he was managing the rafting company that managed all of our logistics while we were in China. And they also guided us down this eight-day initial trip on the Great Bend of the Yangtze. So we spent a few days in town, but I mean, I more or less like met my husband on the Yangtze River because I was so overwhelmed. I had these like blinders on because I'm like, I'm a high school teacher and I've got to get all my stuff together. And the first time I'm teaching, we're going to be remote for eight days on the banks of the river. It was fun. It wasn't until the end of that trip that I sort of like had a a moment where I took a breath and I was like, oh, look at that cute boy over there. (laughs) Even though he had been there the whole time, but we got to know each other in over that eight weeks. And I went back to China in the summertime and spent most of the summer there exploring rivers, doing some first ascents river expeditions with him. And he came back to America after that. So we kind of founded our relationship on international travel and adventure and 
I joke that my 20s, it was like my mini retirement in this realm of adventure tours and adventure guiding and teaching. And my husband and I relationship was really founded in that. So that's how we met. Tell us how you met, how you met your partner. Oh my gosh. That's just what a cool story that, ah, oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin that, that it's a really good story. I was the high school teacher, right? We kind of like kept our little fling a secret because I didn't want these high school students to think that I was going to just like meet Mm -hmm. guys all over the place. So instead of feeling, it was like, we were the ones who were just kind of sneaking around and, and thinking like, this is a reverse role. These high school students are supposed to be like sneaking out because right. you can go out and drink in China anywhere you want as a 17 year old boy. But instead we would take like secret motorcycle rides around <laughs> town and go on kind of like, oh, I have to run an errand, but really we would be going out to dinner together. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like that little veil of like secrecy adventure to start you off on the right foot. Ah, how exciting. Exciting. Well, my husband and I also met in relation to high school, but we were actually in high school. We were both in freshman geometry class together. That's a good class. (laughs) We were sitting across the aisle from each other. And at the time, well, actually all through high school, I was on the valedictorian track. So I was like blinders on, focused, all the honors, all the AP classes. That's what I was focused on. I had no time for boys, no time for all these other things. And here he was across the aisle and he was one of those annoying kids that like just coasted by without having to do a lot of work, but somehow aced everything. So I graduated top of the class and he graduated number 13, which for the amount of time that I spent studying and taking notes and doing (laughs) practice exams versus the amount of time that he spent. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe he only landed 12 spots behind me. Yeah, that margin of difference is not comparable to the amount of time. No, but he sat across the aisle for me and just my earliest memories of him were my maiden name is Yang and he would go, Andy Yang, Andy Yang, Andy Yang, what'd you get on number 26? And I'd be like, (laughs) stop, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was so annoyed by this kid, didn't know who he was. And over the years of high school, we kind of ran in mutual circles. We kind of had mutual friends and we were closer and not close here and there as we both evolved and changed. And then the timing finally lined up three weeks before we both left for separate colleges in separate states. So we started Mm -hmm. dating summer right before I left for Penn in Philly and he went to Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So then we dated long distance all through college, which is a miracle when I think about it because of how much growth and change you see in college. We used up all my dad's frequent flyer miles going back and forth. (laughs) And we got married when we were 23, right out of college, which is also now I think back, I'm like, I tell my mom, I'm like, mom. How could you have let me get married when I was 23? I was a baby. And you're lucky this worked out, but <laughs> I know. But yeah. And we'll talk about this, but at the time, neither of us were in real estate. But now both of us are in real estate, just in different capacities. But nice. we'll dive into that. Well, I love how you and I both started with the blinders on. Like, no, no, yeah. no. Don't distract yeah, yeah. me. I'm on yeah. a mission here. 
I was like, I'm going to be a class five kayak girl over the world. You can't get, I don't need a boyfriend right now. And then to the long distance, we said goodbye Mm -hmm. to each other after eight weeks in China. And we're like, well, maybe I'll never see you again later. And even when I went back to China, it was like, well, if you're not moving back to the States, this is pretty long distance. Yeah. But there's something there about seeing something that you know is working and willing to take on a little bit of challenge to feel it out, to really like, this doesn't have to be a challenge if we think about it in a different way. So tell me about when you and Joe, correct? Right. I haven't Mm -hmm. met Joe yet, but can't wait to tell me how you two started talking about money first. Yes. Well, before I dive into that, I did want to give the listener a couple of quick resources just to set the stage because listening to this and you're brand new to the world of real estate investing, especially passive investing, we're certainly going to dive into some of this on the show today, but I wanted to point you to a great resource that we have, which is a free seven-day email course. It'll take you through all the basics that you need to know to get comfortable and familiar with what we're talking about here today around passive investing. And this is especially good if you have a spouse or a partner who is not familiar or as familiar with passive investing as you might be. And so you can sign them up for the course and they'll get seven emails over the course of seven days with links and videos and resources. If they read all seven emails by the end, they'll be very comfortable and confident. They don't have to go digging all over the interwebs to find all these resources. So to get that, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash free course. All right. Just wanted to set the stage and give that plug right there because yeah, that's it's how I've started. To yeah, that that's, course. yeah. And so these days there's so many different resources out there. It's hard to find the right ones and really know who to trust. But okay. So we got married at 23. I mean, it was fortunate because we basically became adults together. Ah. We learned to deal with finances together. We were right there next to each other when we had our first jobs in the real world. And we didn't have any, I guess, bad habits to unlearn or like, it wasn't like he dealt with money this way and I dealt with it another way. And we had to kind of compromise. It's kind of like we kind of figured it out together. Early on, I remember I was working as a fourth grade teacher in our city schools. So my salary was quite laughable, Mm -hmm. but I was in it for the, you were a teacher, you're in it for the mission. And Joe was working as a web developer at the Kennedy Center. And so his salary was quite a bit higher than mine. And so early on, we made this commitment because we're in our 20s. We're eating like spaghetti out of a box and cereal and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so we're like, let's just be frugal and let's just live on my teacher salary and everything that you make from your web developer salary. Let's put that away. We didn't know what we were going to do with it. We figured maybe we'd buy a house at some point. But we really didn't know that much about stock market investing. It's something we had heard about that his parents had a financial advisor. My parents just saved, saved, saved. And so we really didn't have that much in the way of financial education early on. But thankfully, we met a great mentor via our realtor, which was actually his manager at the Kennedy Center in D.C. And so his manager became a real estate agent. But he talked us into instead of buying a condo or a loft or another trendy place in DC, he talked us into buying a row home, which had two units. It was a duplex where now we know we were house hacking. So we lived in the top unit and we rented out the bottom unit. And that was really our first 
foray into this concept of trying to build passive income or trying to build wealth or putting our money to work for us. We had never really explored that before then. We were just like, okay, well, I think we do this making money thing and we try to save as much as we can. But it was really that first duplex that paved the way. Oh, I loved how you kind of grew into it together. And so it sounds like if any kind of questions came up, it wasn't as if one person was super knowledgeable and had already done this and let me just handle things. And I was just talking to my stepdad yesterday who I grew up with and my mom. And now I'm comfortable with asking him all these financial questions. What kind of investments do you make? I know they use a financial planner. They just love him. So I can't convince them that they're (laughs) paying him ridiculous sums of money to be but they love him. It's great. He says, you know, your mom just doesn't really care about this Mm -hmm. stuff, doesn't really Mm -hmm. pay attention. And so he handled it. And I think that that worked for them. But I love how you two kind of geeked out on it as you grew. (laughs) I can tell. I bet you he's out like you. You know, what's (laughs) funny is that for the first several years, again, blinders on, focused on my career at this point. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, this real estate thing. This is genius. This is brilliant. I got to focus on this. I was just like, yeah, I guess. I mean, this is something we do on the side. We ended up buying that first duplex. Then the next year we bought another duplex. And then a few years later, we bought another one, another one. So we had Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. We named them after letters of the alphabet. But it was always something we just did. It was never something that I really was like, oh, this is a gold mine. This is the strategy. I should focus on this. He was more the one who saw the potential until later on, after I had had nine jobs in the 10 years after college, I finally, the light bulb moment came on for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I just create all this passive income through all these investments, then I don't have to work. I could just do what I want with my time. And I can't believe it wasn't until we had bought all these duplexes that it finally clicked for me. In those early days, I definitely was not a real estate nerd. I was the farthest thing. I was like, I don't care about this real estate thing. This is just something that we do. But tell me about you because I want to know how your real estate nerdiness, I guess that's the word, came about. (laughs) I'm kind of a nerd in the personal (laughs) finance space with a little bent on real estate for sure. So Adam and I came together and we kind of brought our intense money financial baggage with us. And yeah, how old were you when you guys um, came together? We met at 26. He's four years older than me. He turned 30. We had a cool dance party in a Chinese karaoke bar (laughs) and we got married when I was 30. So we married four years later and Mm -hmm. he was 34. And My first daughter was born when I was Mm -hmm. 35, 36, something like that. So that's a little bit of the timing. And we got married and we still hadn't talked about money and investing. I kind of came to it with, again, I went to my parents' financial advisor. So I had some money, but I already was like, what is this guy doing? I don't really even (laughs) know what he's doing. And then Adam and I got together, we married, and then we even went to another financial advisor who is fee only, which is a great Mm -hmm. resource. Mm -hmm. And he was helping us put our money into funds that were a little bit more aware of sustainability, of climate impact, that sort of thing, kind of aligning with those values of ours. My husband is now a sustainability professional. He's an advisor and a consultant. But I wasn't taught like how to do it myself at any point. And later on, that financial advisor even just ghosted us. I had no idea how to get back into my account. So we were just like left stranded. And lo and behold, like as we went to go talk about money, 
I realized like I had a lot of financial anxiety. We would get an unexpected small bill. We weren't in debt. We didn't have major expenses. We lived like dirtbag traveling nomads for years. So we had a lot of that going for us. But what we didn't have going for us was like the investing side of things, the long-term planning. When my brain started to click into that, I got a real job. I began to think about going back to grad school, which I did eventually do. And then that financial advisor, but we still didn't really understand it. And I started to talk to Adam about money and I realized that we needed a plan. And so we actually took one of Dave Ramsey's courses like at church in Portland, Mm -hmm. Oregon, where we were living at the time. And it must have been free at the time, but it helped us start talking about it. I mean, we used Mm -hmm. some of the systems they gave us and it was a great way to talk about, you're going to want to maybe live in a home one day and not in a studio apartment in the city or in a tent beside the river. So it gave us the platform to be able to have the conversation together. And it allowed my husband to start admitting to me that like he didn't actually handle money very well, according to his own story. He wasn't in massive amounts of debt, There was a lot of like us coming together about it, combined with me saying when I got a bill, I would kind of go into panic mode about it. And I was very fearful of debt. Now I understand that as like growing up with my dad, he would just scrimp and save in a way that was quite unhealthy, I think, as I look back on it now. And so I'm looking at all these invisible scripts that I kind of came to the relationship with. I didn't talk about money at my mom's house with my stepdad. We were doing financially well, but it was never really talked about. And then on the other side, it was like, don't spend money on anything, buy your Christmas gifts at Goodwill, reuse that t-shirt, all those kinds of scripts where money was almost bad in that way. So we've done a lot of work together with finance and it was me. I've always been the driver in it. And once we had our daughter and I remember... I got an engineering job. I had gone to grad school at that point thinking that like, okay, I'm going to be stable. We're not going to have to worry about our finances. We're not going to be living month to month anymore, kind of doing the good work of promoting really cool environmental causes, but just like barely scraping by. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to be a river engineer, albeit like always river. But then I went into that and lo and behold, I'm actually not compensated super well for my time. And It was this kind of linear trajectory of growth and the financial anxiety was still there. And now I have my daughter and I'm just like, wow, time, time is where it's at. And at the same moment, I discovered bigger pockets and real estate and we were looking to buy our own home. So instead of thinking about buying a home as you did, someone helped us guide the way to buying something that would turn into a rental that would be an investment decision. And I am so grateful for that. I know I have some friends that went hard into real estate as they were traveling nomads and flipped a bunch of properties. And at the time, I mean, three or four years before we bought that property, if I had just taken action then, because they told us all about it. And I was like, oh, but I don't have the resources for that. I don't have, but it wasn't until it was like, no, no, this can be a business and you can do this. Anyone can do this it clicked in me. And I brought Adam along for the ride. I was like, we're going to buy a house and turn it into a duplex. And we did that and we house hacked it as well. And now it's a great cash flowing property, except that we still have to mow the lawn, which is a pain in the butt. And hopefully we won't have to for very much longer. But I quickly went into like, how can I make this a business for us kind of Mm -hmm. on the side? Because at that point, I was still a full-time engineer. I'm so curious about that moment that it sounds like you passed on the opportunity to get in when your friends got in. But at some point, so I want to know, 
What made you comfortable? Sounds like there were some things that you, maybe some things holding you back, limiting beliefs or resources that were holding you back from getting in at the time that your friends got in. But at some point, something changed for you. And you were like, okay, I do want to get into this. And then I want to know when you made that decision, how did you and Adam talk about that? Did you kind of bring him along? Was he okay with that? Did he have questions? Did he have holdbacks? Was he ready? Then jump in together. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations. And as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. That's a great question. It does feel like there was a moment where it was in late 2018. I mean, I had only been working as an engineer for four or five months at that point and in early 2019. And I had tried to negotiate my salary. And I think that it was, they wanted to bring me in at super low rate. And I was just like, is this because I'm a female? Is this like, I have all of this experience. I'm a little bit older, early professional. Granted, I recognize I'm just out of college technically, even though I'm 32 at that point, but I had a ton of river experience, right? To bring to the industry. Yet they still wanted to start me at this really low rate. Lo and behold, three or four years later, they did an analysis and, oh, look, they were underpaying me that whole time. And so they oh, brought my hmm. rate back up. But it kind of burned me at the time. It burned me yeah. in that like, wow, I don't feel valued here. Yeah. Wow, I still have this financial insecurity. How are we ever going to get to the point where I can invest enough to retire? I need to fast track this. And we must have been talking about one day, hopefully we'll be able to buy a house. And the light bulb went off with my friend, Jonathan, who is now this like owned 10 homes in the next town over and was my age. And I was like, wait a minute, if Jonathan did this, how can we do this too? And I kind of dove full in. So to answer your question, I did bring Adam along. He was like thumbs up the whole time. Mm. He loved it. And he used to build houses. He went to architecture school. And so he had this skill set. 
where I also thought, okay, we're going to buy houses and fix them up and flip them. Even if that's us moving every two years to be able to get a better loan, all the strategies around that. He did speak with me honestly at one point and was like, I don't want to build houses anymore. I don't want to be a general contractor. I have other passions. And he was at that point starting to build his own business and consulting work. So I did have to kind of say, okay, this is just me. How can I build this business? But I do see potential still in the future and we still talk about it. And I think that once our income, we do reach that financial independence threshold, which we're on our way to, that there might be a little bit more freedom to say, let's take on a cool real estate project together where he gets to do some of his fun building and renovation work. But the pressure right now to like earn more and invest it is such that it's a hard decision to say one of us is going to quit our job for six months to be able to manage that kind of project. But it's still there. Yeah. There are a few nuggets I want to pull out of your story that I think are really valuable for the listener to really understand is that with partnerships and couples, money is the number one thing Absolutely, causes strife and anxiety and arguments. I see this with my friends. I see this in my own relationship at times that if you're not on the same page, it can cause all sorts of issues, not only with your relationship, but with friends and family, with your kids as well. So it's super important to get aligned and on the same page. It's not always easy because you come with different experiences, different upbringing, different limited beliefs around money. And so I love that early on, you guys decided to take that course, the Dave Ramsey course, just to give you a basis of foundation where you guys could have this shared vocabulary and understanding. Absolutely. It's not that you had to go hardcore like, oh, I'm totally all in on everything he teaches, but it just gives you a starting point for you guys to talk about, do I believe in this? Is this what I was taught growing up? And to create a shared vision together, which then it sounds like that really laid the foundation for you then to explore this path to financial independence, which I know is something that Dave Ramsey talks about as well. And then so then you have this shared vision, which is another key is that you have this shared foundation of vocabulary, then you create this shared vision of where you want to go. And maybe it's that shared vision maybe has a few different steps to it. Maybe there's a few steps before you get to financial independence, and maybe there's a few steps beyond financial independence that you want to get to. But having that long-term vision, shared vision together, then that's like that makes it easier. So when you came to him and said, okay, I want to start this business, or I want to try this rental properties, duplexes, then you could both see in context, oh, okay, this falls in this rung of the ladder. This will get us one step closer to this goal that we both have together. Absolutely. To be able to come on the same page, to have that safe space, to just talk about it, to talk about why do I feel this way about money? And then to agree, yes, I want to achieve financial independence one day. Therefore, we need to take these actions now. You're right. It is an ongoing vision as well. I mean, I went really hard into personal finance and real estate investing, like almost too much such that I was getting really nitpicky about our finances. And I have since kind of backed off because that lifestyle by design piece came back in and saying like, do I really want to count every penny? Do I really want to optimize every little thing that I do? I have to trust that like I'm taking big action, I'm moving forward, but this is how I want to spend my time 
every day. And so we've had to shift it as we go. And to his credit, he's really grounded me back in that aspect of it. Never saying like, I don't think we should invest, but just at least saying, but should we like get rid of our truck that doesn't have air conditioning and we can't actually use it in the summertime to take (laughs) our kids on adventures and maybe buy something different, not new. Mm -hmm. We're always learning together. It's such a journey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think what's so interesting about every couple is that everybody has a different appetite for risk and feelings about money too. You talked about financial anxiety. I have some of that as well. I don't like getting bills in the mail either. And we've gone through these evolutions over time of sometimes we had a very strict budget. Sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we followed Dave Ramsey's method or somebody else's method, or we had the envelopes of cash. We've tried different things. It's not like there's one path that will work for everybody, but it's about having this open and honest conversation and really getting vulnerable. I mean, how scary is it to tell somebody, I panic when there's a bill in the mail, or Mm -hmm. I feel bad when I spend money on myself, or like all these things that we- Or like I panic when you spend money, which is, I don't want that to trigger me too. It is. It's hard to say that stuff, but we have to be able to be open, especially with our partners that we're on this Yeah. And I love that you brought up that testing, right? So we're testing Mm -hmm. out new ways to do things with each other. And that is part of the design process. And that's how we build these beautiful lives that we're working on. We're always testing new things to be able to get it to some sort of equilibrium. Yes. So these days, now that you've gone through the Dave Ramsey course, and you've had these conversations about money and is definitely become a real estate nerd, as have I, despite all the kicking and screaming. So these days, what do your financial conversations look like? Do you talk about money all the time? Is it certain times that you get together on date nights or whatnot? What does that look like for you guys? At one point, we were kind of having a weekly finance date. And it was Mm -hmm. in the wee hours. We're early risers and our daughter wouldn't wake up until seven or eight. Now our son wakes up at five. So those early hours are pinched by that. But we used to meet almost once a week for at least several months on and off. And that was really helpful when we were in the just like, we have to get things up to speed. So I would say now we're basically up to speed. We have a shared vision of amounts we want to be investing every year, the types of investments. I really just handle all that. He trusts me fully with like, okay, I think we should put some money in this type of asset or this type of asset. But we also talk about, I would say it's not a regular date. Again, my son is one and a half. I feel like I'm just coming out of the early kid year of that, (laughs) the fog. Exactly. I'm looking forward to kind of reinstating some like a quarterly meeting and kind of habits and routines. Those are all new. We're developing new routines, but to be able to sync up and now we're able to speak in bigger pictures. Like, do we want to build that garage with an apartment over it? That's one of our near-term dreams on our property, which is a small piece of property in a really cool little town. And do we want to get that new truck so that next year we can go on rafting trips with our kids and not sweat it out in non-air conditioning vehicles? So We're like, okay, if we want to have these big savings goals, as well as big investing goals, like, what does that look like? We also talk a lot about what we want to be doing with our family. Like, what are the things you've always dreamed that you would do? And when are we going to do those things? Instead of just thinking one day I'll take my kids here, or I'll do this big, cool thing with them and my family, or I'll take on this big 
physical challenge for myself. And so I think finances helped us say like, if not now, so when are you going to start doing that? Because you do have to start investing as soon as possible. So you start taking action earlier. And I think that's spread to the rest of our family life as well. And how about you? How do you all sync up on investing in finances these days? I wish we had a more regular that we used to put it on the calendar. We call them our money, money, money dates. And we did that for a while. Also, I think it was like every week or every other week or once a month. And we'd treat ourselves to wine or cupcakes or something to make it fun. But after a while, we kind of just let that go. And now these days, I don't think there's a day that goes by that we don't talk about money in some form or fashion, especially with our kids who are now 10 and 7, constantly talking about finances and investing at the dinner table with any of our decisions around travel or my kids just started school recently, you know, back to school decisions. This year, they're both in private school. And so talking about things like tuition, talking about why that's a decision that we've made as a family and with the impact of that, both our kids know about our businesses and our investing and our goals for travel and really kind of leveling up our travel. We used to be the scrappy travelers that were always sitting in the back in the economy seats and in the we would go on the budget tours or to the budget restaurants. And now we're trying to level that up a little bit and they're getting to come along for the ride and see that. And so for us these days, it's not really a structured conversation, except at times when things shift. For example, currently the real estate market, my husband and I are both in real estate. The real estate market is quite different than it was a couple of years ago or even a few months ago. So we've had some of those conversations as we've seen ebbs and flows, I guess, in his Mm -hmm, business mm -hmm. and ours and what that impact is and how we can plan around that, the runway that we have, if we need to shift any of our spending habits or make any changes. And so we do sync up on that kind of as on an ad hoc basis these days. But I feel like it's something that we're probably talking about ad nauseum because our kids are hearing about it all the time. My older son is he's going to be investing with us in the hotel fund that we're about to close any day now, I hope. But the hotels were acquiring in Indiana. Oh, that's exciting. It seems like you've, and us as well, you have to lay the groundwork first. You have to be able to say to your partner, let's talk about money. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about our big dreams, whether that's 20 years or 30 years out, whether that's one year, two year out. And because you've laid that groundwork, the conversations are a little bit more casual these days, or for us, they're not as weighted. They're not as triggering. They're Mm -hmm. not as intense as they were for a while. And it's just so worth it because if you can have that shared vision, then everything just lines up and sinks so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I will say for anybody out there, if you're listening and maybe you're really into all of this stuff and maybe your partner is not, First, maybe get them to listen to this episode. We're not talking about anything hardcore financial in this episode. So maybe get them to listen just as a first step or start by creating that shared vocabulary, that shared vision, and just keep it real, like non-technical, non-financial. Don't even bring the numbers in. Don't bring the anxiety in. Just talk about where is it that we want to be in five, 10 years time? What do you want our life to look like? 
and kind of just start there, paint that picture together, then work backwards and start to bring in the money. And really, especially if you have a partner who is more risk averse, which bless that we all need those people in our lives. I mean, neither my husband and I are, are really risk averse, but he's a little more risk averse than I am, which keeps me grounded and mm-hmm. keeps me from just throwing my money in every which direction, which is good. We all need those mm-hmm. people in our lives. But if you have somebody in your life who's a little bit more risk averse and maybe a little more reluctant to get into this world, I'd say patience is key. My husband waited many years for me to get into this world. He never pushed me. He never tried to get me to get into real estate. He was just like, yeah, you do your thing. And eventually I dove real deep into this, but be patient and kind of sprinkle things around. But you kind of have to read your partner because me, if you tell me to read a book, I'm be like, I'm going to read anything except that book. That's just (laughs) the way I am. And so you got to like be kind of strategic and planting these resources or bringing them into the conversation in a way that your partner will be open to. And so that's really up to each relationship. But Susan, any tips to add anything that's really worked for you all? Starting with that shared vision, something exciting. What would you want to spend your money on if we had X amount of money? How would you live your days if we didn't have to worry about income? And start getting that person, getting your partner thinking in those terms and maybe backtrack from there and talk about how it's possible and how that you can do it. And it might be more exciting then to divert more of your funds into your investing account and to deploy it into cool new investment opportunities that are coming in through your inbox and get excited about that and what that means for your long-term growth. And just trust that as soon as you get started, it's amazing how fast it moves. Even with your investments, our first investment was five years ago or something. And I feel like we have grown decades since then. But at the time, it feels slow. It feels like, but I just want to get things moving. So take those steps and it's worth it. Yes, indeed. And I'll add one more thing, which is at the point where you and your partner decide that maybe you want to try something, it's always a good idea to dip your toes in with something small, something relatively low risk first, just to test as a proof of concept, just to test the waters. You don't want to add too much stress. You don't want to go in on a really high risk investment where you're investing a lot right off the bat, because that can cause a lot of stress between you and your partner, right? Absolutely. So you want to pick something that's low risk at an investment amount that you're both comfortable with. Talk about, okay, what would happen if, God forbid, we lose this money? How would that feel? What would that do to our overall financial picture? Would we be comfortable with that? Okay. So if that's okay, let's then think of this as play money and let's just try putting this into this investment and see what happens. We expect nothing, but if something comes of it, great. Then we've figured out a pathway to invest and grow our wealth. Then we can put more money into it and we both have this proof of concept. And so that's what I would recommend is after you have that shared vision, find a little something. Don't invest hundreds of thousands of dollars yet, maybe 5,000, 10,000, something relatively small that you're okay to lose and put that into an investment and just sit back and wait and see, be patient, see what happens. And then as it you see it working, then talk about putting more into it. Yeah, and until very recently, 
that was really hard to do in real estate. Yes. I mean, really hard to do. You sort of had to get started investing in the stock market and your index funds, the stereotypical path to fire. Yet, if you know anything about real estate, you know that it can lead to better returns. It can diversify you. It can protect you and stabilize things. But until recently, you had to come up with a pretty hefty sum to be able to invest either actively as a down payment or even passively into real estate syndications. But the new crowdfunding pathway is opening that door to even early stage investors to invest at lower amounts. For instance, the $10,000 minimum that we have for our Good Egg Growth Fund 2, which is open right now and they fill up really quickly. So by the time you listen to this, hopefully you can jump into our open deals, which you'll find on our website. But that is an opportunity just like this to get your money started, get your money moving, see what it looks like and make your decisions from there. Indeed. And so to find out more, as Susan's talking about, you can see that particular deal, Good Egg Growth Fund 2, which is going to be acquiring two select service hotels, which are the kind of more limited amenity hotels, doesn't have the full restaurant, doesn't have the full spa, but it's really geared toward those business travelers. And we're finding that business travel is really on the rebound. And so you can participate in that growth and use it as your proof of concept. Because as Susan says, we've got a low minimum investment of just $10,000. So it's a great way to try it. You don't have to be an accredited investor. So to learn more about that, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash growth two. That's goodegginvestments.com slash growth and the number two. Or to see all of our open deals, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash deals. Any last words to add, Susan, before we wrap? That's it. I would love to hear other people's stories about how they communicate with their spouses about investing. So reach out to us anytime. Yes. And be on the lookout because in the coming episodes, we're going to share a direct way for you to get in touch with us and to share more about who you are and what you're looking for, your investing goals, so that we can gear these episodes more towards the topics that you are interested in and that are most relevant to you and your goals. So be on the lookout for that. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got something out of it, please share it with a friend, share it with your spouse, share it with your next door neighbor. Help us spread the love and we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Life and Money Show. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.